I want to follow on from what's being, what's being said. Our friend Chris brought a word to us as well about not, not kind of um, rushing on from, you know, dear old Stephen Al, you responded so bravely to that word to say, yeah, we need you to sing that over us. But if I'm honest, sometimes I'm like, I'm, I need that and I feel a bit nervous to move. And it takes someone to move that it causes something else to go on. So, Chris, you felt as well that this whole word of anguish, there's some people here that are still carrying anguish in their heart. So after I've spoken today, it, somehow it will fit in. <laughs> I hope you, you'll hear that. And we're going to create some space at the end to continue just to see what Holy Spirit wants to do. Um, and just see how he speaks to you, how the Lord Jesus speaks to you today. So I want to pray for us. I want to pray for our minds right now. I want to pray for our hearts, that they would both be open and receptive. So why don't, we, why don't you join me at home if you're listening, watching on at home as well. Wherever you find yourself, why don't you place your hand on your heart? You can place your hand on your head. You can place your hand on your hips, <laughs> whatever you want to do. But just ask the Lord to speak to you gift of faith grow in our hearts like Susie brought like anything any chain is broken in Jesus name it's for freedom he came to set us free so we just invite you wonderful Jesus wonderful Lord King Jesus speak for your glory amen so we're continuing this uh, series that John kicked off a few weeks ago. It went John, then Andy, then Katie. Um, Ralph is speaking. You're next week, aren't you? Yeah, it's thumbs up. So that's good. It's not me. Um, but I hope you're being blessed so far. Um, I, just, I just feel like, guys, you've done such an incredible job. John set it up so well. And it's really this, we're still in this first movement, if you like. It's all about the heart. These first kind of chunk, this first chunk, these first messages is all about the heart. Um, so we're still there. And I just want to encourage me, I want to encourage you. Let's, let's delve deep into this. In your own time, be reading the Sermon on the Mount. Don't rush on from it. Don't just tick it as a reading your Bible exercise, but go deep. Maybe even if you're lingering over one statement, over one little chunk of that, that teaching from Jesus, see what he does, see how he speaks to you. I just want us to think for a moment that if we believe that Jesus is God, which I hope we do, like the God-man, the one who put on skin, the God who put on skin to come and dwell amongst us, this same God that created the stars in the, the atmosphere, he made the heavens and the earth and the sea and the sun and the moon, this Jesus, if we believe he's God, then the teaching that falls from his lips is pretty darn important, right? It's not like a teaching that we could listen to, but for me, it's got to be the teaching, the teaching. And remember, over the, over the weeks, the guys have, as John started and Katie last week and Andy the week before, we, we, we wanted to remind us as a family week after week that it's about what are we building our lives on? Jesus says the wise man builds his life on the rock. So it's, it, it, we don't want to just be hearers of the word. Because we can do that. 
Scripture says it's almost like looking at yourself in the mirror and then walking away and forgetting what you look like. It's just silly. We want to be doers of the word, being hearers of the word and not doers is like building your house on sand, your life on sand. And I don't know about you, but life can feel a bit sandy, like you're just being shaken and and you're slipping away. But if we build our life on the rock, then whatever storms come our way, the wind, the rain, the slate, the hail, the slate, the sleet. If slate hits you, that's that's a problem then our lives are built on, built on something sturdy. And do you know what the amazing thing is? It's not just for us. This isn't just like a nice little tidy, holy huddle. It is about our lives being transformed. Of course it is. But it's far deeper than that. That same mercy, that same grace and forgiveness, how we've been wonderfully transformed and set free, is for a purpose. Not only that you would be living for eternity with your king and savior, but the world would look on and say, wow, I didn't know a life could look like that. It's twofold. Jesus does this incredible twofold thing where he transforms us so that we are then a shining light to the world around us. I don't know about you, but that's what first drew me into the church. Many of you know I, I chased after my now wife into the church, so that was one motive. Um, but actually I saw Emma and I saw her family and my friend that I work with as Christians actually living this stuff out. There was something different, something wonderfully attractive. Emma is wonderfully attractive, but there's something deeper than that. There was a lifestyle that I wasn't living, but I looked at their lives and I thought, man, that's different. And that's what Jesus wants to do. That's what God wants to do with our lives, that we would shine to the world around us. It's the best evangelistic tool going. No program to can trump it. It's a life lived like Christ that will shine and it draws people. I want to I start by reading something from um, a book. It's a devotional series called Straight to the Heart, written by Phil Moore. It says, Mahatma Gandhi, who is the Hindu founder of the modern state of India, was once asked by a Christian missionary why he often quoted the Sermon on the Mount, yet refused to follow Christ. He replied, I don't reject Christ. I love Christ. It's just that so many of you Christians are so unlike Christ. Pretty challenging, isn't it? If Christians would really live according to the teachings of Christ as found in the Bible, all of India would be Christian today. That's quite a statement. Man, if we lived according to this, we'd see our light, we'd see this city transformed. We'd see our families transformed. We'd see our schools transformed. It's living the new you to the world around you. It's offering something different. There's another way. So this is all about the heart. This isn't just about behavior modification. This is about being radically transformed by Christ. So we're going to read Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 to 30. In your Bibles, it might be entitled Lust. So I want you to hold on to your seats a little bit, because we're going to be delving deep into our hearts, looking at lust, looking at this whole subject of lust. So verse 27 says, you've heard it said, You should not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent 
has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away, for it's better that you lose that member than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away, for it's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go to hell. Imagine listening to that. You know, he's speaking into a society, into a people group, that this would have been, you know, we can sit here all nice and, you know, that this would have been shocking teaching. It's pretty extreme, right? Jesus is saying some pretty serious things here. Are we, are we to take these words literally? I, I really hope not. Because it would be a pretty ugly sight here. We'd all have problems, friends. If we were to take these words literally, if I was to take this teaching and words of Jesus literally to say, Sam, if you've lusted in your heart, I need you to gouge your eyes out. We'd be looking at a bloodbath here today because it affects all of us. He's speaking into a society here, he's speaking to men here, but it is, this is relevant for both men and women. Lust will look different for all of us. So different for all of us. Jesus is revealing, I think, how the law can go so far. He says, as you've heard it said, he's revealing how their law, this law, the law that was set up from God to his people can take you so far. It's like a ring fence. It's, it's a protective fence around them to say, this is the standard I need you to live by. But you know what? It will never, ever change the human heart. No law can. Written on the tablet of stone, no law can change the human heart. The law actually reveals how broken we are. The law just in our land, the 30 mile an hour speed limit, shows us how broken we are at times. The law shows us that we're in desperate need of something beyond ourselves. And ultimately we know that's the Lord Jesus Christ, our saviour who came to fulfill the law and ultimately transform us. You know, I don't think any of us can look at these words and genuinely, like maybe you can, and if you can, may the Lord bless you. And please come and lay your hands on my eyes at the end. I don't think any of us can look at these words and go, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> That's just not me. and never been me. Thank the Lord. I think if we're honest, it's probably more like, oh, pants, that has been me, or that is me, or maybe I'm currently really struggling with that. Maybe this is connected to this anguish word. Maybe some of you are here. Maybe someone is here going, man, if only you knew the shame and the guilt that I'm carrying in my heart. I, I want you to know, I need you to know there is freedom for you. There was freedom found in this person, Jesus it is for freedom he came to set us free. But I don't think any of us, if we're hand on heart, can say, no, 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 I've, I've never looked with ill intent at anyone ever. You see, Jesus raises the bar on the law here. What we think is good and bad, we're so binary. This is good, this is bad, this is wrong, this is right. I was chatting to a family member just last weekend Able, my friend was able to share a bit of the gospel with her, and, um, and, but she was saying, but I'm a good person. 
We know that that's what humanity does, but I'm a good person. But the law is there at a benchmark, but then Jesus blows the law out of the water and says, well, you've heard it said, don't murder. And we all go, okay, must not murder. But Jesus says, if you hate in your heart, you've killed that person. You know how that hatred eats you up. That's what he's saying. It'll eat you up. You've heard it said, don't, don't murder. But I say, don't hate. Wow. It's probably all of us at some, some level in our lives. You've also heard it say, don't commit adultery, I say, but if you look with lust, you've done it. I heard one commentary, I think it's Dallas Willard, that says the only difference is that your bodily members aren't being used. Your heart is still responding in the same way as if you did it. Man, it's provoking, isn't it? It's challenging. I think it's revealing just how utterly impossible life is without God. To try and go it alone, to try and deal with the external without a radical heart change is utterly impossible. You know, elsewhere in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus called the Pharisees and the teachers of the law whitewashed tombs. Remember that story? When he he challenges them, he says, "You, you wash up the outside. You're focused on how you look, how you present yourself, this tip of the iceberg that is your life to the world around you. But underneath is rotten. You whitewash tombs, you hypocrites, you vipers. Man, you can't read that and just go, boo to the Pharisees. Because I look in the mirror and I go, boo to myself. San, you whitewashed tomb. Do I present this nice, tidy iceberg to my friends? But underneath... And it's rotten. That's what I want to be challenged on. It's about the heart. Trying to clean up the outside of the bowl, Jesus says, without dealing with the junk that's in it. And this is still the way human beings do it. We present what we want everyone else to see. To the most part. Not everyone does. But that's what we want to do. We present this polished exterior while the internal world rots away. I think it's easy to see this teaching of Jesus when it comes to murder. Of course, we go, well, don't do that. But it's subtle when it comes to anger. Katie, you did such a stellar job last week. When it comes to anger and resentment and retaliation. And we go, sin management says, just don't do it. Just stop. Often that can be our stoicism, can't it? Just don't. And we know that's true. Like I would never, never, never encourage us to just, just follow your heart and do whatever your heart says. No, at, at times it's just, just stop doing that. Just stop it. But sin management is so short lasting. Do you find that? Like if it's just this head down, try harder, it's unempowering. It's lifeless and dead. With head down mentality, I must not lust, I must not lust, I must not lust. It just, it doesn't empower anyone. We're not strong enough, friends. I know we've been wonderfully born again. I've got the life of God now on the inside. I, one Peter says, I'm a pie, pie, pie taker. I love a good pie. A pie taker. That's theft. 
Um, I'm a partaker in the divine nature. <laughs> um, now all I can think is pies, pies. I'm lusting after pies. Sorry? <laughs> Thanks. Come and pray for me, bro, afterwards. Um, we know, like I just know, there's this tension going on where, man, I've got the life of God on the inside, but I'm still carrying around this flesh until he returns. Like there's this, this contrast, this tension going on. And we'll get there when we look at the heart because we, we can have a perspective shift that helps. But the flesh is pulling us one way. He's going, come this way. Look at these desires. Look at this. So we're not strong enough on our own. Jesus is revealing a much deeper and life-transforming way to live. Yes, we can follow external rules and we must, but they will only take us so far. What if we could have these rules written on our hearts? Friend, what if you could leave here empowered today to know that you've got the laws of God written on your heart? When I... When I got saved, when I encountered God, when I was transformed by Jesus, my previous relationships were carnage because I was so broken. I treated people horribly, really. I didn't know any different. I lied. I cheated. I hurt people. And then I encountered Jesus and my heart was suddenly softened. Like overnight. I cry at everything now. I used to as well, but that, God's reminding me how he made me. I knew that when I married Em, what was wrong was to cheat on her, right? But it's not the external rules that is compelling me, driving me. It's my love for her. And that's what Christ wants us to know with him. And he could command this of us. Of course he could. But he's like, man, I want my love to compel you to live in a completely different way as is always the way with Jesus. Yes, he's going to come to the external, but he's going to go underneath that and go, how is your heart? That internal control center of your life. As I was preparing this, I was like, it starts with the eyes, right? It starts with the eyes, and then it comes, sinks into our hearts, and it germinates there, and it comes out from our lives. That's always the way with me. You know, if, if we couldn't see, lust would almost be eradicated to some degree. Whatever we're lusting after, it starts with the eyes. And it sinks down to our hearts. And it's like seeds going into our hearts. And then it grows in our hearts. And it comes out from our lives. Matthew 6, 22 to 23 says, the eye is the lamp of the body. Jesus, next part of his teaching. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body is healthy and full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And I love that picture. It's challenging that the eye is like the lamp to the body. It's the lamp. It's, the, it's, what, the, it's what motivates the heart. The eyes are like a gateway into the heart. What we choose to look at and linger on is powerful. David and Bathsheba, if you know the story in 2 Samuel, it says some translations, it varies. It says he, he saw her bathing. 
He saw her beauty. And he didn't just look and look away. It's hard to fully see what went on. But I wonder whether there was this look and then a longer look and then a pondering and an imagination and then it just festered and festered and festered. But it started with a look. Job 31.1, Job says, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young, young woman. Man, that's... It's so important. I've, I've made a choice, a deliberate agreement with my eyes. I've made an agreement. I grew up by the sea. Um, and in the summer, when it is summer in England, uh, people don't wear much clothing. Um, and my friend Dan, he said, I've, just, I've learned how to bounce my eyes. I know it might sound random, but I always remembered this. I walk in along the seafront, probably look a bit crazy actually but he'd be like if I if I saw a pretty lady or someone I just learned how to bounce my eyes I just bounced my eyes and that probably would look odd now you're walking past someone they're just bouncing around but it stayed with me I know it might be a, just a silly thing to say but it was like he was saying I was ma- I'm making a covenant with my own eyes I'm making a covenant with myself sometimes daily sometimes it's moment by moment and I just think it's about just prayerfully saying, Lord, help me. Help me see people as you see them. Help me understand this person that I'm looking at as you see them. Help me have a pure heart. Help me with purity. Our eyes need to be filled with a vision of Jesus. So I want to ask you a question, friend. What are you looking at? What are you choosing to linger on? What are you watching at night? What are you watching during the day? The reality is some here will be struggling. And don't worry, I'm not going to say at the end, hey, if you're struggling, come. Come down. We want to do this as sensitively as possible. Just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you because there is freedom. But I think so often we can dodge away from these things. And we're not honest with one another. Through the eyes, as a lamp to the body, it implants into our hearts. So I want to ask you the question about your heart. How is your heart? Your heart really reveals who you are. Your heart shows who you are. It is the gatekeeper to the rest of your life. Proverbs 4, Katie, you mentioned it last week. Above all else, guard your heart. Sorry. For everything you do flows from it. People might be watching at home thinking, why, why is he doing that? <laughs> guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart. Friends, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Everything you do flows from it. I'm shouting at myself. I want to look at myself in the mirror and say, Sam, guard your heart. I want to have a humble, tender heart. At the moment, it's edgy. Someone said to me the other day, it's, you're snappier than you were. I want to guard my heart. For everything flows from it. The heart is the soil of your life. The way we guard it is by getting the right things in it. You don't guard your heart just by kind of somehow guarding it with nothing. You guard it by pouring the right things in. That is the only way to guard your heart. 
Get good in. Get truth in. Get who you really are into your heart. And as and when needed, just like a garden, learn how to weed your heart. All of life's temptations are with us all the time. We cannot ever pray that you will never be tempted. I remember hearing a man say, refuse to pray for a lady. When she came forward for prayer to say, can you pray that I won't be tempted? He said, no, I can't do that. Because we'll be tempted every single day. The deal is learn how to weed your heart. Say, man, I've got to get this out of my heart. I've got to get this out of my heart. What goes into the heart will flow out. I felt to read this from Galatians 5. We know it. It's fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 16 to 25 says this. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sorry, flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition. Ouch. Anyone else? Ouchy. You read this and you're like, oh, help me, Jesus. Dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and alike. I warn you, as I did before, those that live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, but he's empowered us by the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with all of its passions and desires. Friends, since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. That's that inner man. That's that inner you. That's the transformed life now. We have the Spirit of God on the inside of us, this partnership, us and God. And he's empowered us to live in a completely different way. And as we feed that, as we feed that, self-control happens. But as if we feed these fleshly desires that is so easy. It starts with, hey, just look over there. This little whisper. It says in the Bible, the enemy is just knocking at the door. So often you think, man, I've beat this. And he just comes and knocking. But Christ Jesus is there. The Holy Spirit empowers us through our born again nature. Jesus creates this new life within, and that's what we need to tap into. Living from that new identity in Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is when I said it's a perspective shift. Because it's not like there's these two wars going on. Who's going to win? What wolf are you feeding? The war has been won. The battle has been won. Like the battle for my life is over. I belong to Christ Jesus. He lives within me. He says the future is bright. Victory is his. So it's not like, man, I'm not sure who's going to win, good or evil. Good has won. It is finished. The call from a cross over our lives is it's done. It's finished. 
So that's what I want to feed. Perspective shift to say, this is who I am. This is who I am. I'm a son of God. I belong to Christ. I've been bought at a price. I've been bought at a price. My identity is now fully wrapped in him. I'm hidden with him. I'm seated with him. I'm baptized in Christ. I will live forever in Christ Jesus. So we need to have that perspective shift. Of course, we need to know, just don't do it. But I need to know my life is empowered. My heart's empowered to live a completely new way. Friends, we've been changed to live from a completely different position. To live like Christ and to live for Christ. What this world doesn't need is a load of us just standing on the street corner shouting. What the world needs to see is lives that live a completely new way. A completely new way. That's what I saw. I looked at my friend Gaz and I thought, man, what is it about you? It haunted me. You're different. But it drew me in like a moth to a flame. We've been changed to become like him. Becoming like him in thought, in motive, in speech, in behavior. Not just behavior modification. but I'm talking about Christ in you. Christ in us is the hope for everyone. Friends, we each get to steward our lives. I am in control of my life. No one or no thing can control me. I can be deceived. Of course I can. I support Liverpool Football Club. <laughs> I know that. I can be deceived day by day, but I cannot be controlled. Thank you, Al. <laughs> but I cannot be controlled. That's the same for you. I want to say to you, can, you're not going to be controlled. You can be empowered to live in a different way. We decide what we look at. We decide. You decide. I decide what seeds go into my heart and what grows. And I decide how I live. Our hearts need to be filled with Christ. My mind, my eyes, my vision need to see Jesus. My heart needs to be full of him. Jesus in, Jesus out. Alicia, guys, can I invite you guys to come back up? We're going to worship. We're just going to give all this to the Lord, see what he wants to do. I'm going to hand back to Katie in a bit. And Katie, mate, you just, however you feel like Holy Spirit wants to minister to us, speak to us. Just as they're getting ready, though, and friends listening at home, I just want to briefly touch on shame and guilt again. And I've struggled over my Christian life, actually, struggling at points, looking at things I shouldn't look at. And I've had friends in my life that have stayed with me, that have said, I'm going to walk with you. I've been a Christian now for two decades. Early on, I, man, I struggled. But I had faithful friends in my life that would come alongside. I'm not talking about tons of people. At the point, it was one person. And he used to say, man, I'm just going to ask you. I'm going to ask you what you're looking at. I'm going to ask you how your heart is. And he did. He faithfully asked me awkward questions. We don't do that enough. But I want to say shame and guilt have been dealt with at the cross of Christ. 
It is for freedom that he set us free. So if there's shame and guilt here, again, like Susie said, if that's a chain that is kind of round your neck, round your ankles in any way, I break that in Jesus' name. And you can walk free from that today. I want to believe that if you've come here, even if this message is for half a person, one person that you're like, man, this was like for me today. I want to believe that you can walk free. You can walk free from here today, knowing that he's done it for you. And I want to encourage you, invite someone in. Invite someone in. Man, I was so frightened years ago to tell my friend, but it was the best thing I did. Hidden in the dark, it festers and grows. Whatever we bring into the light gets dealt with in a moment. So will you stand with me? These guys are probably well ready by now. So I appreciate it, friends. Bit of a heavy feel, possibly. But I hope what you heard more louder than all of that is Jesus is pretty darn amazing. Like, he's amazing. He's transformed my life, and he's transformed scores of lives here, and he continues to do so. So why don't you close your eyes, just as we give this time to the Lord. And as Barney and Alicia and crew lead us, just see wherever you're at in life, and just enter in. Say, Lord, I'm here. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Speak to us. Speak to us. Would we be captivated again with a big vision of Jesus? We gaze upon his beauty again. Gaze upon your beauty, King Jesus. Just see whatever he wants to do.